Logan. <laughs> I'm still Lead Pastor Scott Harrison. It's good uh, <laughs> that you're here still. Um, I want to welcome uh, Pat, um, Executive Pastor, and Damien. Um, I can see you say hi to him. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's up? Yeah. Uh, uh, we're not used to all this uh, setup, so I was like, wow, this is a lot of work. It's uh, easier to walk up here. But super excited about the series that we are starting. You've heard me say uh, often recently that we are in a, a next season uh, for North Shore. Uh, and and, and uh, through this upcoming series, you know, you'll hear more about it. You'll, you'll see these things. And, you know, talk is really cheap. I would say if you were here last week, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's moving here. God is doing something beautiful and powerful, right? And it, we're just stepping into that. So it's not some movement of man, uh, but it's God is moving here, and it's exciting to see. And uh, again, we're going to share with you. So what I've called this series is Welcome to North Shore. Because in this next season, uh, how fitting to say this is who we are. And while I've, I've got these uh, gentlemen up here, is um, this whole series is really um, uh, our membership class, joining our family, right? And if you've been part of that uh, of recent years, you know when you come, this is, these are the faces you see. So we get up there and we, uh, uh, we give the message. And I do that for a reason, because I want you to see the community that we're developing. We're not a talking head. We're Jesus-focused. Um, and uh, we all share so you'll see that. Um, at the end of the series in November, uh, there's going to be an opportunity uh, for you to become a member of North Shore. We're going to have a, a service, and it's going to be awesome and celebration, and we'll kind of tidy up every aspect that we didn't touch here or questions you have. Anyway, so look ahead, more information coming with that. And so as we get ready to kick off, um, I want to ask, of both of these guys, um, you know, as they looked at this series, we've talked about it. What would you love to see us accomplish through this series? What do you hope that we accomplish through the series? Damien, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Y'all look good. Just want you to tell, make sure you know that. I'm going to say um, we have a strong desire for you guys to know what we are about and to be clear on why we are about those things. So I'm going to say, just to, just to kind of simplify it, that we want you to have clarity. We want you to be able to explain to your, your family, your, your coworkers, your neighbors, you know, what is this place called North Shore? What are they about? What are they known for? What do they do? Not just, not just this stuff, but what do they do? And so we want you to be in that, in that place where you know that you are wanted uh, to be a part of this, this body of Christ here that's called North Shore. And we want you to have some good, healthy clarity on what that means for you. So that's what it would be for me. For me, a couple things. I'd say to unify and to invite. Um, why we do our joining our family class, uh, to unify, to help us come together in agreement with the same heart and the same mind. These bigger collective truths that we'll be going over over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to cover through the series. Uh, they're meant to bring us together in the midst of differences, in the midst of different convictions, in the midst of different opinions, in the midst of different preferences. They're meant to bring us together. 
and uh, as a cohesive team, as well as uh, to prioritize the how we go about God's mission, namely together. And then, so that's the unifying piece. And then the inviting piece is this. It's an invitation to join in partnership and participation with what God is doing here. What his agenda is. And we want him to do all that he's wanting to do. We don't want to get in the way. We want to join him in that. And it's an invitation for his kingdom agenda for all of us to join him in that work. Amen. Super excited for this series. So uh, welcome to North Shore. Uh, it's going to be an incredible ride. Um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, uh, and the ushers will get those to you. And if you need a Bible, and this Bible is yours, you can take it. Put your name in it, take it home. It's yours, right? Um, there's one requirement, that you read it. Okay? All right. <laughs> uh, uh, let me pray. Uh, you can keep your eyes open if you need a Bible, I'll get it to you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and I do pray that you be with us uh, through this entire series. Um, that we would see you. That is our, our heart, uh, it's our hope, it's our confidence in you. And so uh, make way in our, our heads, our hearts, uh, in our lives to hear your word and may it transform each one of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So welcome to North Shore. So I was thinking, if I was going to start with that statement and then my next statement, if I want to tell somebody what North Shore is, who North Shore is, I'd say this. Um, we are Jesus' church. So welcome to North Shore. We are Jesus' church. Amen. And this truth was revealed to his disciples um, through a promise. So turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. And we'll start talking uh, in verse 13. So as you get to Matthew 16... Uh, let me give you just a little background. So it, it, it's um, through Jesus's, oh yeah, perfect, thank you. Uh, it is through uh, Jesus's, um, about three quarters through his uh, ministry on earth, and he's taking his disciples basically on a spiritual retreat. They're going up to Caesarea Philippi, which is north of the Sea of Galilee, um, and they're going to go up there, and Jesus is going to prepare them for the next season of his ministry here on earth. And it's going to transform and change the earth. Um, he's going to teach him about his death and his resurrection. And then what things look like after that. How is he going to work on this earth? And he starts with a question in verse uh, 13. Uh, he asked them. He says, who do people say I am? Because there's lots of chatter about who Jesus is. The disciples answer. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Um, some say Elijah, which the Jews are waiting for Elijah to come back. Some say Jeremiah or a prophet, someone who's saying some profound things from God. And then he points the question in, zeroes it in. He asks a question, really he asks of every single one of us. He says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And then very common to his personality, one of the disciples answers, Peter. Right? Uh, Peter jumps in. And Peter says this, says, you are the Christ. And that 
term Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. And for a, a Jew, which Peter was, to say that is, you know, life-changing. You are the hope, the one we've been waiting for, for the redemption and salvation and rescue of God's people. You are the Christ. And then he goes a step further which, and he says, the son of the living God. He makes a statement that you are deity, you are God. I mean, you are the one that has the power to forgive sins, redeem, power over life and death. I mean, it is this incredible proclamation of this is who I believe you are. Now, he's going to learn a lot about that over time, um, but he makes this huge statement. And in verse 17, Jesus acknowledged that, that, that you know, flesh, I mean, man did not reveal this to you. But it was God. It was a spiritual revelation, a heart transformation for Peter. And then he gives the promise. He says this to him, and I want to really focus in on Matthew 16, 18. He says this, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So his promise is, for the next season of my work on earth, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build the church. That's what's going to happen. And how does he build it? Through his death, his resurrection, and sending the Holy Spirit to empower his followers. That is how Jesus built the church. You see that in Acts chapter 2. And here's the good news. That work is still active today. This is how he is working today. Right now, right here. Through his church, through this church. He tells them this. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, Jesus is using a play on words here to really speak a truth that we have to understand. He says, you are Peter, uh, which in Greek is Petros, rock. Many of us can just quickly say, Peter means rock. Well, it means small rock, a pebble, but still a rock. And he says, on this rock, the Greek word used there is Petra, right? How many of you have been to the city of Petra, right? In Jordan, right? Uh, it's a city carved in these cliffs. I mean, just mind-blowing. One of the wonders of the world. Well, that's, they named it Petra because of that, but it's in these solid cliffs that's stable. The foundation is set. It's secure. He says, on this Petra, this rock, I will build my church. And see, that Petra for here is a meeting of Jesus' work that Peter confessed, and his faith in it, his heart transformation. And that becomes his foundation that Jesus will build this church through us. So today, his church is built on your heart, your faith in Jesus Christ and his truth and his power. But it's important as we look at the church and our involvement, Peter's confession, our confession of faith, is whose church is it? 
Is he building man's church? Is North Shore Scott's church? You see that? That's a no. <laughs> Is it the elder's church? Is it your church? No, he is very clear. I will build my church. It is possessive, right? He's going to build his church, not on man's strength, not on man's clever ideas, great marketing schemes. Church, lowercase c, a building, a structure, an institution. Does it take God to build a big church, a large church, lots of followers and people? The answer is no. Great marketing scheme, great speaker, great music, right? Guess what? You can build a huge church and God nowhere near it, right? right. Um, and, and that's one of the sad realities of our thing is man could build a big building and lots of people will go and love it. You know, we call one of those things Disneyland today. A lot of people show up there. Oh, tons of people, right? And, you know, I'm not going to get feel a lot of churches find themselves in that spot of creating the right show to draw lots of people, right? But it's not Jesus' church. Uh, Jesus' church uh, is about who? About Jesus. Exactly. I gave you the answer. It's about Jesus, right? <laughs> Good job, dude. Damien, that guy right got there, paid right? attention. Uh, he's my favorite staff member. Just so you know. <laughs> uh, uh, that's why here you'll hear this phrase, and uh, we're just going to say it and say it and say it, eyes on Jesus. That's the only thing we want. Um, why do we have a teaching team? Why do we have um, you know, pluralistic uh, uh, leadership? Because it's not about any of us. It's about him, right? Uh, Jesus is our only hope. We're going to create a Jesus culture here. I don't want people attracted to anything that we do on this stage. I want them to be attracted to the one we talk about, the one we point to, the one we have faith, the one we submit to, the one we obey, mm-hmm. right? Amen. It's Jesus. We are Jesus' church. We're Jesus' church. Very clear. That's what he built. Uh, now, what is the nature of that church? How do we interact with it? So quickly, I want to share a couple of things. Two verses. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. Jesus gives a not-so-subtle hint. Matthew 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Listen to this. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, his followers, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What he said, the nature of the church is family. It is about family. Jesus is building um, a family, a gathering of family, of people committed to doing life together, a heart for Jesus, a heart for other people, not a pit stop that you get a dose of religion once a week or roughly. He is establishing a family. John confirms this in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. It's about family. We are family. And just like uh, the biological family, I read a study from Indiana State University. Uh, in fact, I read a whole lot of studies. Um, 
on the power family in, in our lives. And really, it enhances every aspect of life of coming from a healthy family. Right? The same is true in a spiritual family with an important aspect. Uh, the component of salvation is added to it, which is not a small thing. Right? But every aspect of your spiritual journey is enhanced. When you view church, you interact in church as family and not an institution, a pit stop. We are family. And so what does that look like? I've asked these two guys to um, talk just a bit about what does church as family look like. Damien, why don't you share with us? Mm. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Um, boy, that concept of family, that, that, that's something that settles in. And it settles in in a really unique way for each one of us just based on our own journeys. But there is a level of importance to it that we we were made for. So church, I'm going to take just a couple minutes to talk about commitment. That's, you know, that's a word that usually when that, you, you say that word, there's some certain things that just kind of just leap to the surface for us. We, we, we think about responsibility. We think about obligation and duty. And some of us even feel burden when we think of responsibility. But I want us to just take some time to, to look at this from the perspective of Jesus and God, his Father. Because they looked at, commu- at, at, at commitment as dedication, devotion, faithfulness. So in order for us to understand this, this deep commitment, I, I want us to just take a little journey. And we're going to understand that this deep commitment, it all starts with a promise. And it was a promise that was made to a captive people, uh, an enslaved people, an occupied people, a people who consistently just got lost all the time. And that was Israel. And the promise to them was one day someone is coming and he will set us free. When we sing that song, um, when we sing that song, Waymaker, and we get to the chorus, have you thought about that, the third reference that then it's in there? It says, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. I love this baritone hey. voice on this brother right here. <laughs> That's good. But in order for God to be promise keeper, he first had to be promise maker. That's right. And so... With, with, we find this promise is written throughout the Old Testament, and thousands of years this, this promise is given, even before it's kept, thousands of years, like going all the way back to Genesis. But if you want a clear picture of what this person would do when they came to keep this promise, look at the 53rd chapter in the book of Isaiah. Now, you don't have to turn there, or you can't turn there. But it's a beautiful word-for-word description of how the promise would be kept. See, in verse 5, it reads, and there it is on the screen. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, but most of us understand that phrase, 
and by his wounds we are healed. So we have many promises from God, but here is the one that thousands of years later is true for us today, that Jesus gave his life for his family. And that's us. So does this sound like a God whose commitment to us is a little shaky, a little iffy, a little 70 to 75%? No. His deep commitment to us was an all-in, all-in display of his love for us. You know, this caused me to re- just think about, I remember when, the, when the, the, the poker tournaments started showing on TV and they would show these competitions and these people. I would watch it because I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can learn a little bit something on how to play this goofy game. No, I didn't really learn anything. But I did know this much. When somebody did this motion, all in, all of a sudden the energy in the entire room, everything just changed. There would be other players who would literally like get up and go, ooh, hey, okay, let's see what's going to happen because something's about to go down. And that's exactly who our God is. He went all in through his love for us by giving us his son, Jesus, for our sin. Can we say amen to that? Amen. So, and he kept his promise by sinning his one and only son, and when Jesus comes, he makes this statement that Scott already talked about in Matthew chapter 16, but I want to focus on two specific words, and we're going to kind of overlap here a little bit, but it's that important. Jesus said, and upon this rock, I will build my church, my church. So Jesus is taking full ownership of this thing that was about to come into play, this ecclesia, this gathering, his church, he says, it's my church, not Scott's, not Pat's, not Elder's, not Sandy's, not yours. It's his church. So if God made this promise, kept this promise by giving us Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to build my church in fulfilling this promise, where does this go from here? Where does this deep commitment show up next? Well, I'm going to take you. You don't have to turn there again unless you want to. To the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5. It's Ephesians chapter 5. And Paul tells them, he says, Christ, in verse 23, he says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and and, and is himself its savior. And then just two verses later in verse 25, he said, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And now you see where Jesus is all in, all in on this deep commitment to us. And so some of you might be sitting here this morning, you might be saying, all right, so what are we supposed to do with that kind of commitment, Damien? I mean, you you are talking about Jesus. And that's not really fair because Jesus did stuff that we, yeah, no. Well, I will if you want to. I'm going to have you turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to have it up on the screen here. But here is an example of what to do with Jesus' commitment 
to us, God's commitment to us. It reads starting in verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And just in case you're wondering who this is, this is the church. This is the early church, the infant church, the baby church. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Everything in common. When's the last time, not only did you see that, did you even hear that? Right now, there's so many voices screaming out to us to divide, to separate, to point fingers, to speak ill of, to demean, to destroy. And here we have the church responding to that full all-in commitment that Jesus made. And it says here that they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this. And great grace was upon them. Mm. Mm -hmm. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them. They sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. I have a deep hope. We have a deep hope and passion that one day stuff like this will be said of North Shore, of us. That there will be a reputation that gets out there before you even say anything about us. Where do you, where do you worship at? We worship at North Shore. Oh, I've heard about you guys. And you might have had a whole thing ready to go. But what we do speaks of our deep commitment to one another. I, I just want to share this with you. Um, I hadn't planned on this, but yesterday I was blessed to attend a memorial of a young man who had been fighting cancer for a number of years. Part of his family is part of us here at North Shore. For those of you who remember Ernie Brockman, um, this was his grandson, Daniel, who finally his body gave out. But boy, to sit in that space and to listen to the stories about this young man, not just about how he lived, but how he loved and how people loved him. I sat in that space and I just saw not just, not just women, I saw men, I saw young men who were his friends wiping their eyes because of how much that they were impacted because of how much Daniel, that was his name, loved them. And those fellas loved him back. One day I hope that it is said of us that we were a place where we loved one another, where we were kind to one another, Generous to one another, faithful to one another, devoted to one another, dedicated to one another. Not out of obligation, not out of responsibility, not out of duty, but because of the deep commitment that God and through his son Jesus made to us. And they were all in on us. And may we in that deep commitment be all in with one another.
So, Pat, Amen. what you got for us, brother? Amen. Well, uh, we are his church, Christ's church. We are deeply committed. It's what we're called to. And we are also uniquely called. And I want to look to Romans 12, verse 3 through 8 for this. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving to one another, uh, excuse me, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I want to highlight a few things that we see in this passage in this unique calling. So for us as North Shore Christian Church family, we are uniquely called as members of this family to see ourselves clearly with sober eyes, with sober judgment. Not too high, not too low, but have this view of I'm still in process. I still need God's grace. I am still learning. I'm not always the one that's right. I'm not the one that's the smartest person in the room, right? We don't think we're not God and we're not what Satan says. We have to have an accurate view of who we are according to what God has said about us. So to see ourselves clearly. And it also says to be one body, individually members of one another. So you have these kind of bookends here, these extremes. Our culture values this independent individualism. You stand on your own by yourself. That's not what we're called to. Mm. And then the other extreme, some error, is uniformity. You have to look the same way, talk the same way, act the same way, use the same words. That's not what we're called to either. So there's this individuality that God has given us, that God has made us, that no one can be you. God made you on purpose. He said it was good. The world needs who you were made to be. Okay? There's this individuality. God did that. It's a good thing. And then also there's this connectedness that what I do and don't do affects you and vice versa, times a thousand among us. So as I am faithful and as I'm connected with the Lord and with others, as I'm walking in life with others, as I'm present in the moment, as I'm spirit-led, as I'm sharing, as I'm caring, as I'm encouraging that affects you. That ripple effect affects you. And the opposite would be true too. If I'm self-serving, if I'm whiny, if I'm argumentative, if I'm fleshly, if I'm earthly minded, if I'm overly opinionated, that affects you. That ripple effect affects you. 
times a thousand, because the same is true for you. What we do affects one another, just like a real family. Can I get an amen? You know that to be true, right? Same way in church, because God has made the church family. Okay, so we see that in this passage. We also see that we don't have the same functions. We all don't have the same functions. Not all of us are followers. Not all of us are leaders. That wouldn't work. If we were all leaders, that wouldn't work. If we were all followers, that wouldn't work. We've been given different measures of faith, measures of grace, varying gifts, different callings, different passions, different thoughts and interests, experiences, different wisdoms, different depths with God, different connectedness with God, with others, with our community. Right? We do not all have the same function on purpose. And then lastly, he says, having gifts according to the grace given us. So grace means undeserved favor, which would be a gift, okay? So I'm going to give you this example. So I know these guys that I'm with, and uh, I know who they are and what they like. And so I got a gift for you guys, okay? I know you're a Raiders fan, okay? And so I got you some memorabilia. There are Super Bowl tickets of the three times the Raiders have been to the Super Bowl signed by Raiders. There you go. There's a picture up there, too. You can throw that up. And then I know how much you love your Jeep. Oh, yeah. And I know how you and Sandy go and explore, and you are wanting new tires so you can climb mountains better, I suppose. And so there you go. Here's money for new tires, buddy. So be blessed. Okay. We don't do this often. Yes. Now, if they... Thank you. This is an analogy. They're not real, so just go along with me. Um, <laughs> he lost his point, didn't he? It's gone. <laughs> it says $1,500, just so you know. I know. It says it up there. Yeah, yeah. That's how much it costs, you know? Shoot, dude. Um, now, if... if those were real and they just had them sit in a pile on their desk or in a box that would not be receiving the gift. I gave it to them because I love them, I know them, and I want to bless them. But if they do not receive it by using it, they're not really receiving it. If it just sits there unused, it's not really received. So God has graciously, by his grace, by his, his spirit, endowed us with something that is of him, for you, to bless you, to bless others. Some of those gifts are going to be used here. God wants to use you here within this church family. Not, I don't mean these walls, but it could be within these walls. But within this church family, this church community, as well as outside of these walls, in all that God, the majority of our life is not spent here, okay? And so as you are out and about living, being, moving, breathing, God wants to use your gifts to bless, to serve, to build up, to call in, to draw in, to glorify. And the only way you can receive it is by using it. So... You've been given gifts according to his grace for you to use. So we see we are his church and we are deeply committed 
and we are uniquely called because we are family. Amen. Amen. Yes, I love it. I wish they were real. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. I needed that, brother. I needed that. Wait, wait, wait. Great you. illustration. <laughs> I had two thoughts. I thought, how did he afford it? He didn't take this from the church money, did he? <laughs> oh, good. Um, I love it. But uh, great. I appreciate uh, both of you immensely. That was, that was good stuff. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. Um, as we look at next steps, you know, what do, what do we do with this? First thing I want to uh, invite you to stay with us, um, meaning this, you know, as we walk through this series, welcome to North Shore. Um, come each week. Make it a priority to say, I want to come and, and, and listen to what is God doing. Again, like I said, I'm going to be announcing different things that God is doing in a real practical sense around your things that invite us as family to pray about, right? and be involved in as we step uh, further into our community and be in the church that Jesus uh, built, right? And so be here. Uh, like I said, in November, we're going to have an opportunity for all that have been involved in the series who aren't members, or even if you are a member, to, to come and celebrate. Um, hopefully some different things you're hearing. Um, but again, we're, we're in a, the next season, right? And come be part of that. So excited about that. Um, to challenge all of us, is to step into family. We talked about church as family, right? It starts with uh, joining the family. How do you join the family? Um, very clear in the scriptures. It's through Jesus Christ, the only way. Right? To believe and have faith in him is what ushers you into his spiritual family. How about receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? The one who died for your sins on the cross was buried resurrected so that you would have life and have it newly, eternally, and abundantly. And we receive that on faith. It's nothing we can do. And the second piece is, maybe you say, I'm already part of Jesus' family. I'm doing that. Um, it's invest, right? Just like this, right? Um, the amount you invest in your family uh, is the amount that you're going to get back and the health from your family. Right. Same as the spiritual family, right? You have to invest. You want Jesus' family to be part of your life, uh, your kids' life, your community. Well, you have to invest in it. Be part of it. So I want to encourage you to step in. Invest in this family, right? In this local church, Jesus' church, and all of us in this